Tech Radio presented by David Gardner's Jewelers Rollo Insurance Studio. It is time for my friend, our NFL college football scouting report, John Harris uh, from the Houston Texans. He's their sideline reporter, footballtakeover.com czar. Johnny, good morning, buddy. Good morning, man. How you doing? I'm good, man. So I was thinking about the core of 1560 guys. For those who don't know, Johnny and I worked together at uh, 1560 The Game. I'm talking about the real crew. Chance McClain, Frank Bullington, Raheel, John and Lance, yourself, me, Dell, like the real like inside team that has stayed together for a long time. Going through uh, some of the lowest moments in Texans history to what we saw this past weekend. And look, they got a long way to go to reach the kind of levels that football fans really want. But just knowing how low it's gotten and our perspective and seeing it, how cool was this past weekend considering the last 12 months? I mean, it's really hard to put it in words, honestly, David. Um, you know, I think I truly felt it when I when I came over here in 2014 and got in the building and, and you know, was just kind of able to get to know the McNairs a little bit better, get to know – you know, people that were in this building a little bit better, people that have been here for, you know, from the beginning. Um, obviously, my my uh, my friendship, my brotherhood with Mark Vandermeer has grown because we do everything on the radio. And um, and I'm always a big NFL Films fan. And so whenever NFL Films has got something, you know, they use Mark's, Mark's uh, you know, calls. And I just always feel that's really cool to be kind of kind of part of that. Um, but the last three years, I mean – they were just I don't think they I don't think people understood how bad it really was in the building and how tough it really was for for Mark and I you know look I mean we're, we're Texans radio right we're supposed to keep it as positive as we can um and then and that was hard you know we were trying to find nuggets um you know it's like you're you know you're eating a bag of potato chips <laughs> and you're like you're looking down just trying to find the smallest little nugget of potato chip at the very end because you know, people were so hungry for this team to be successful, you know, and then it just had so much dysfunction really bought, brought on, uh, crazily enough, by two guys. Um, those two people aren't here in the building anymore. But you still then, okay, you've gotten you've gotten rid of the problem, but can you now get better? You know, it's like when you get sick, you get rid of the sickness, but now you've got to recover from that. And you've got to go back in the weight room and you got to get yourself stronger. Can you do all that? And I feel like the Texans did that. Um, you know, this, the signing of Nick Casario was the start of it, even though a lot of people will look at it and say, no, 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 that was the end of it. No, that was the beginning of it. Because Nick is, as astute, a general manager, he was the, he was the right guy to come in to clean things up. He was the right guy to lead the Deshaun Watson trade. And what's made Nick, I think, even better is the fact that when D'Amico got in here, those two meshed probably better than anybody thought. And there was always this thought of, well, one guy's from this tree and this guy's from this tree and that ain't going to mix and whatever else. And yet they've mixed very, very well. And they had a draft for the ages, which um, a video is floating out there around um, – my man, Figgy Fig, who produces our, our afternoon show here in Sports Radio 610. And he he now uses that video to show excitement. And I'm like, where'd you get that? And he said, Mark said it to me. And it was from the draft. And to me, that's the day when it took the final steps, David. C.J. Stroud, Will Anderson, faces of the franchise on both sides of the ball. 
Tank Dell uh, on Friday night, Juice Scruggs on Friday night, who's been huge. Um, you know, even Dylan Horton before he had to step away from the team. Henry Toa Toa was big. Jared Patterson was a six-rounder. They got on Saturday who started the first half of the year. That draft class will go down as the, the game changer. Obviously, a lot of people say, well, because of CJ. No, I think, well, yes, because of CJ. But because of the way that group is meshed with the veterans that were here, the veterans that were here were hungry for success. They just had no, they had no path to get there. Then D'Amico comes in. That's the start of it. Then some more good veterans come in. Devin Singletary, Dalton Schultz, uh, Sheldon Rankins. They come in. Jimmy Ward is signed. Like, okay, this is starting to look halfway decent. Now you have this draft. And, David, I'll never forget this. Back in June, we're a team that's won 11 games in three years, right? 11 games in three years. And so we have our media days in June before these guys go off for the break. And it's uh, basically a car wash. They go through all these different stations. And so one of them is radio. So we had like 30 guys come through here. And so I'll never forget, John Grenard is sitting right over here. We're talking about different things they did in the draft and the additions to the team, and et cetera. And he goes, man, we're stacked. We're stacked, man. We are stacked. I can't wait for this season. And he walked out of the room. And, I, and John's always got a very positive outlook about things. I look at Mark and I was like, you hear what he said? And you said we're stacked. And Mark and I kind of looked at each other like, I, I hope so. I hope he's right. But in the back of our minds, we're like, I don't know, man. Another defensive lineman came in a little bit later. And I can't remember who it was. He said the same thing. And I just remember thinking, really? Stacked. Like, okay. Um, all right. Well, we'll see what happens. Well, Maybe they were right. Maybe they were right. Maybe they maybe they saw it before everybody else. Um, and Mark and I are the most positive people you're gonna find. And yet we were kind of like, all right, well, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> and it's really kind of it's kind of born out that way. You just wish guys could be a little bit healthier and wish we had tank. We had tank. Boy, I'd feel really, really, really good about going in this game against Baltimore. But I still feel pretty good. Like you want to tell CJ Stroud and these guys they can't go up to Baltimore and win. I mean, it's never happened. Texas has never won a division round game. Texas never won in Baltimore. Texas has never beaten Lamar Jackson. So I guess this is the first time for everything. So hopefully that's on Saturday. Johnny, I, I do want to ask one other Texans question before I get to Dan Campbell, the Lions, the Cowboys, and, and, and whatnot around the NFL. Uh, how much better are these ver this version of the Texans compared to the early Deshaun years? Because it felt like they were on that path. You know, they obviously they had Kansas City down. Like they had uh, DeAndre. Like they, there was many, re but it still never felt to me as an outsider or as a real threat. Even though they had JJ and all those dudes, this feels like maybe they're not that threat that I want them to be this year. But they're building towards that. I said as bluntly as possible, it's a better coach team. It's a better organized team. There's a better tone from the top. And I feel like that 2019 team, actually it was the 2018 team. The 2018 team with a healthy Fuller that still had Clowney and Watt and Merciless all together. The 2018 team was a team I thought could have done it. But when Will Fuller went out, 
that impacted Deshaun. It impacted the offense in a, in a pretty bad way. We beat Miami that on a Thursday night in 2018. And I remember walking back up to my office and I had NFL Network on, and they're like, this could be a Super Bowl team. And then we got the news that, well, Fuller tore his ACL and we were no longer that. But I feel like we would have faltered at some point because I don't feel like we would have run up against tough situations in the playoffs. I mean, we got to the wild card round at home and we turned to mush. Like, we just faded. Um, I feel like with D'Amico, all things are possible. I feel like with his offensive staff, um, there's, there's so many good things that happen by design. And if you go back and you look at the things that Deshaun did in 18 and 19 in particular, a lot of our best plays were off-schedule plays. He'd roll out of the pocket, scramble drill, he'd hit somebody. Very, very little was done through the 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 full nature of the offense. It was executed by Deshaun when he put the cape on. CJ, the last three weeks, has executed the offense. Yeah, he's put the cape on a couple of times. But he's also executed what the offense has asked him to do. And they're all executing together. And I think that's been – that's the difference. Now, can CJ put the cape on and do it? Yeah, he can, for sure. Um, and that's the other thing. CJ's accuracy throwing the ball changes things for, for any offense, and obviously it's for ours. But he can put the ball in spots that his receivers don't need to be that open. Um, and for Deshaun, he wasn't as accurate. Now, he can make some throws. But Deshaun wanted to eat all the time. He wanted to throw down the field all the time. Like that's what he was gonna do. Get your checkdowns. I'm throwing this, I'm throwing this beat deep. CJ's learned, I'm gonna take profit where it's there. Um, if you give it to me, I'm taking it. And that's, you know, obviously all through the the um, you know, the learning process, but to be learning this as a young dude. But to me, that's what it's all about. I think it's a belief. All the way from, uh, you know, the, the McNair's where they are now as owners. The Nick is the GM working with the Miko, and that filters all the way down through the staff. I think this is the best staff that I've seen since I've been here. Uh, the best coaching staff. Um, it, it, you could say it's even better than maybe 2011, uh, which I thought was the best opportunity. I had Matt Schaub not gone down, I thought that was the best team I've seen. Uh, and that team loved each other. I mean, that team had chemistry, had camaraderie. It really started breaking in 2012. Um, and C.J. Stroud is, you know, that much more of a quarterback beyond what Matt Schaub was. So, you know, it was a shot. And you just wish you could bottle this and keep it going. And I, I do think we can keep it going. That's that's the thing. And I think that's why when when all the previews and everything come out for next year, we're going to be the – we're going to definitely be the flavor of the month. A lot of that having to do with C.J., but we got cap space. We still got a first-round pick, um, and in fact, that first-round pick is going to be before the Cardinals pick because if you remember on draft night, Nick Casario and the Texans were dragged over the Colts. How could you give up a future number three pick for Will Anderson? Well, you know what you gave up? You gave up the number 23 pick for Will Anderson. Would you have done that all day and twice on Sunday? Hell, I would have given up a future number three pick for Will. He's been that good for us. So uh, we got the right mix. We got the right fit. Um, and it's just hopefully a matter of time before this team really, really breaks through. Maybe that's Saturday. Maybe it's 2025. I don't know. But as long as CJ stays healthy and D'Amico stays here, um, I think this team's going to have a chance. 
Johnny, I am torn because I want to see Dan Campbell, Josh Reynolds, Aaron Glenn continue through the NFC, but they're taking on our GOAT wide receiver Mike Evans this weekend, so yeah. it's a lot of Aggies <laughs> playing. Just uh, just kind of talk about that matchup and, and the Aggie love there. Man, it's awesome. Watching Jay Reynolds the other night was cool, man. That was such a weird game. It was kind of like ours in a sense, except Deshaun wasn't playing, but the Rams and the Lions had that that huge trade where Stafford goes to LA, Detroit gets a bunch of picks and they get a resurrected Jared Goff. Um, it was kind of wild to watch, but what Dan Campbell's done in Detroit, man, I, I can't even, you can't even put it out in words. I mean, he's been incredible. Um, I, just, I I'm, I'm floored by what he has been able to do. And Brad Holmes is GM. And it's kind of the same thing. They, they, they walked in together three years ago and it came from different trees. And yet they've come together and worked really well. You know, they got blasted on on draft night for drafting Jameer Gibbs and Jack, uh, Jack Campbell in the first round. And they're awesome. They've been great. And they've done things their way, the Detroit way, man. It's awesome. And I love watching that team. Ben Johnson's done a great job with that offensive line or with that offensive uh, side of the ball. AG, hey, there's another Aggie. AG, defense. Uh, defensive coordinator for the Lions. Um, but, man, the Bucks are hot. And I we saw them probably week nine, David, week eight, or week, I think it was week nine, week ten, something like that. And Baker Mayfield lit us to bleep up. And I'm like, dang, man, they're pretty good. We got lucky that day because they couldn't stop running water, and we just blitzed <laughs> them with CJ. And we had all our guys going that day, and we just we just took that game over. Um, but it was an incredible game. And I just remember thinking, man, if they can just slow things down a little bit and Baker can stay hot, man, they got a shot. Man, they've stayed hot. Um, and that's going to be a fun ball game, Bucks going to Detroit. I think Detroit will win it because I just feel overall like – not that Detroit's destined to do it, but I just feel like Detroit's a little bit better in all facets. But I'm not betting against Baker Mayfield and Mike. Mike's just got to catch the dang ball. Dang it. He dropped a couple of a couple of big ones, but I said it before. Mike's going to Hall of Fame. I would love to see him them get a deal done with Tampa so he can stay his whole career there. Um, I wish they would do that. I understand the the business side of it. So a lot of people don't. Um, but it's going to give Mike an opportunity to go somewhere and do some great things for somebody else. But the run that he's on. The other night they showed his Buccaneer numbers, David. They showed the Bucks numbers. Like here are Mike's numbers, and then here's the next closest Buccaneer to it. He has 94 receiving touchdowns. The next closest was 34. I mean, that's how good Mike has been uh, for a team that's been pretty good, especially the last five to seven years. So um, I, I'm just going to sit back and watch that one. Hopefully we're sitting back watching that one, enjoying um, us going to AFC Championship for the first time. But either way, it'll be an enjoyable game. Hard for the Aggies, but it's a win-win situation. Lions win. Okay, Dan Campbell and the crew are moving on. If the Bucks win... Well, you know, Mike, he's going to show it off, and you know he's a good Aggie. So either way, the Aggies are going to win with that one. Talking about John Harris on the Brian Foley Law Hotline. Good people can have a bad day. Call Brian Foley at 936-596-0407. Serving Houston, the Woodlands, Conroe, and the Brazos Valley. Got to ask you about the Cowboys. Uh, you know, a disappointing loss to Green Bay. Rumors about what they're going to do at the head coach spot. Just uh, with, with your grin on camera, let's do it. Uh, break it down. What's, what's next for the Cowboys? No, I, I'll say this, David. I, I mean, I'll never really, 
I, I didn't mind seeing the Cowboys lose. But this goes back to 2017 when when Hurricane uh, 17 was Harvey. When Harvey hit, we were in New Orleans. We were playing New Orleans in the preseason game. And so we couldn't fly back into Houston. And Jerry called um, Jerry called Bob and said, look, just come to come to Dallas, fly to Dallas. Well, you can work out the star, work out the facility. We were going to play them in a preseason game like, hey, we'll share the facility. You can have the cafeteria. You can have everything. Just just come this way. So that always resonates with me talking about Jerry and the Cowboys because that was that was a really tough time. You know, for everybody in Houston, you know, he bailed us out. You know, we couldn't go home. So, you know, Jerry gave us a home. So I always appreciated that. And I've never, I've never hated the Cowboys. It's the Cowboys fans that drive me crazy. But I've always been a big Dak fan. You know, Mike McCarthy doesn't bother me. You know, I think Michael Parsons is the defensive player of the year. To be honest, I think he's had a better year than either TJ or or uh, Miles Garrett. But I don't know how you come out in that game and get so tight that the seven-seed Packers are just taking it to you from play one all the way through the end of the game. So I think it comes down in the next couple of days. I, I just don't think with Harbaugh out there, Belichick out there, Vrabel out there, that the Cowboys look at Mike McCarthy and go, yeah, we're going to stick with Mike. I know that sucks because Mike has had three straight 12-win seasons. But in Dallas, that's not what you're judged on, right? You're judged on going to win championships. And and Mike hasn't even gotten uh, to an NFC championship game. So at that point, this one is probably the most galling one because you would have beat the Packers. Then you get the Lions at home after you beat them on a controversial Saturday night or whatever game that was, Monday night or whatever game that was, and you would have won that, and then you had an opportunity to go to San Francisco or potentially if Packers bring it upset, the Packers didn't come to the Cowboys at that point. But they just broke down in so many ways. And I think why Mike will be moved out is because that's happened three years in a row in the playoffs. Now, they played hard in San Francisco last year, but Cowboys fans aren't used to that. They're used to championships or want championships, and I get it. And that just hasn't been a team that's played well in the playoffs when it needs to. I think Mike Vrabel might be the best fit for that team, and I would hate that um, just because I think Vrabel's got a lot left. But how he would work with Jerry and all that, I don't know. Belichick would be interesting. But we've seen Parcells and Jerry work, and that's not a great fit. But Vrabel down there would be very, very interesting. Johnny, uh, I got to let you go, but I do want to. You brought up that awesome story about Jerry, and I remember that because um, I, I wasn't with you. Greg Bailey was, but I remember how cool uh, it was for the Cowboys to do that. If I remember yep. correctly, the World Series champion Rangers back then. Uh, did not have as much empathy towards the Astros. I think yep. they they finished twenty something games behind the Astros in the in the standings that year, and uh, the yep. Astros asked for them to flip flop a home series during that, and the Rangers said no yep. thanks. So just different ways of handling it. Obviously, they've done a lot since then, but mm-hmm. I just bring that up because the, the way Jerry handled it with class, and at that point, the Rangers not handling it with yep. class. Absolutely. No, you're very right. Very very true. I, I'd forgotten about that, which my. Uh, this taste for the Rangers continues to grow. Thank you for reminding me. Hey, you do, you do realize that half my audience is Ranger fans and Cowboy fans. That's fine. <laughs> I know, I know that, and but they're all Aggies fans. 
Um, and if half love me and half hate me, well, you know, 50% ain't half so bad. Buddy, miss you. Talk to you soon. Yeah, man. Love you, bro. Later, See you bro. soon. See ya. John Harris on the uh, Brian Foley Law Hotline. That's my brother right there. Millican Reserve Time, Far to the Table Community in College Station. They got homes, they got trails, they got wide open spaces, and their mission is to build a healthy community around nature. And they've done that by trading lightly on that awesome sanctuary out there dedicated to the conservation of a healthy community. It's a really great place to go. Like, it is just awesome out there. 2,600 acres of open space, farms, 30 miles of trails, and homes. They connect families to nature and to each other through an extensive network of trails throughout a wooded landscape that includes walking and equestrian paths, creeks and ponds, and gathering areas, a place for families to uh, to cherish generation after generation. You've got uh, all the species that you can imagine out there, the white-tailed deer. You've got the songbirds. You've got the rabbits. You've got the turtles. And homeowners there in Millican Reserve sharing a legacy of conservation, which means generation after generation, you come back to that same pristine countryside place. Millican Reserve uh, is a place to go hiking, biking, canoeing, kayaking, you name it. You can learn more information at their website, millicanreserve.com. Again, that website, millicanreserve.com. Tech Radio presented by David Gardner's Jewelers Rollo Insurance Studio. WD on the YouTube page says, Nuno, you need to brush up on your history. The Rangers offered full gate and concessions to the Astros for that series. Reed Ryan acted like a punk and started spreading lies that you are perpetrating. Whatever. I can't pronounce that word. I'm going to read you what USA Today posted, all right? So I, I don't, I mean, I was in the industry at that time, and uh, I worked at ABC 13, so I, I believe that there are two sides to every story. This is from USA Today. Texas Rangers facing major backlash after refusing to swap their home series with the Astros. Um, and it says here, the Astros and Rangers will play their upcoming series at Tropicana Field in St. Petersburg because the Rangers refused to play ball with the Astros. Uh, Reed Ryan says, you got a major storm that disrupted everything. We went to the Rangers and said, hey, let's switch series. You guys have our home series. We'll take your home series. They rejected it, didn't want to do that. Rangers wanted us to play the next three days at their place. They did not want to trade the series with us. They all wanted six of our games at the park. The fact that the Rangers refused to home and home with us, we had to look at our options out there. We look at our players' best interest, and we had to look at the integrity of the schedule. The Astros will play the Rangers in Arlington September 25th and 27th. Uh, Rangers GM John Daniels on 105.3 The Fan says, switching home series wouldn't be fair to Ranger fans who had tickets to the September series. So there is that. Uh, look, I, I do believe there's two sides to every story. I don't think I'm perpetrating a lie that was reported by USA Today and other outlets out there. Um, I know that there's a follow-up, and the Rangers did try to do as good as they could. But the way they handled it and the way the Cowboys handled it are two different stories. That's all I'm saying. So, uh, And in fact, I was actually happy for the Rangers to win this year. So take that, WD. And I know you meant it with care. Uh, Nick, I know you had something for us. Yeah, so I've been holding on to this one for a little bit. But uh, about two weeks ago, FanDuel put out their uh, Heisman 2024 odds or favorites, I guess. So it's always fun to kind of dive into these and, and, and just discuss them. So there's three uh, front runners with plus 750. I don't really get the odds, but you know they're they're the top three favorites. Got Quinn Ewers, Texas, Carson Beck at Georgia, and Jalen Milrow at Alabama. Kind of TBD on what happens with him or what he's going to look like in the uh, Kalen DeBoer. Bama offense now, but uh, your thoughts on the top three? Read them again. Is, was it Carson Beck one? Carson, they're all tied for the the highest odds. Quinniers, Carson Beck, Jalen Milrow. Huh. Milrow's the one I have a problem with. Okay, I have a problem with that one because I I don't think he fits what he likes to do. What Kalen DeBoer likes to do. 
Texas is loading up, man. They are loading up. I'll give them their. I know people don't like when you know you give any props to Texas. They're they're loading up. They they look really really dangerous. Uh, we'll see how they adjust to life in the SEC because it is an adjustment. I I made the comment a week ago whenever uh, Nick Saban stepped down that like you know I wish that they were entering the SEC that A and M had to fight through the mm-hmm. Nick Saban SEC, but there is Kirby and, and Georgia out there, so that that that'll be interesting. Um, but look, yeah, those are those are names that we're going to be seeing out there for those odds. No My doubt about that. Go ahead. In regards to Alabama, at least, is what happens with Will Rogers? Is he dead set on sticking with Kalen DeBoer? And if he goes to Bama, is there an open QB competition there, or is Jalen Milrow, you know, the the cemented guy? So if Will Rogers goes there, which I have not really seen that much of that smoke, I don't know if something has changed since yesterday. Yeah, no, I haven't either. I'm just speculating. Yeah, yeah, and I understand the the. The point. It was speculated on social media. Actually, there was a fake uh, Twitter account that put put that out there that it was going to happen. I could see why that would make sense. He stays in the SEC. He goes to Bama, where he was recruited by Kalen DeBoer. Uh, if they go out and get another quarterback to compete with Jalen Milrow, I would not be surprised if Milrow goes into the portal in mm-hmm. the spring. Now, that's me just guessing. You could have a situation like Jackson Dart when you know they brought in Spencer Sanders to compete with him. And others like he stayed, and he he it made him a better quarterback for it. So there is that possibility. But when you have you get to the playoffs, right, as a starting quarterback, and you got better with each rep, and you really became a reason that they won, not the reason that they lost. Uh, that would be a real slap in the face if you're Jalen Milrow. But again, I don't know. Um, I don't know what they want, right? And and uh, Ag Engineering Twelve asks, uh, Will Rogers good enough for Bama? Question mark. Uh, if Kalen DeBoer thinks he can win with him, yeah, absolutely. If he thinks he can win with him, absolutely. Anything else, Nick? Yeah, next up on that list, we'll run through this one real quick. Dylan Gabriel is plus 1,000. He's the transfer from Oklahoma going to Oregon. Then this is where it gets interesting uh, in terms of Texas A&M. So all tied for third with plus 1,800 odds. I'm going to butcher this name. Nico Amaleva. The the Tennessee quarterback. Yeah, Tennessee quarterback. Jackson Arnold, the new quarterback at Oklahoma. J.J. McCarthy, well, this is a little outdated. J.J. McCarthy declared for the draft, so he is not on that list. So just three-way tie, I should say. Third quarterback on that list, Connor Wigman. So hold on, what number's Connor overall on that list? Uh, I guess he would be tied for third with plus 18. But tied odds. with Nico with, and... Yeah, Nico and Jackson Arnold. How many, like, I don't know, I think that's disrespectful to Connor. Connor's got w- way more. Uh, how many times did Nico play last year? I don't even know the numbers. He started their bowl game. That's I, it. Yeah. Connor's played a lot. I mean, a lot. Not a, a lot, a lot, but Nunoism. He's played significantly that wasn't more. That was by the way. It isn't? No. Oh. He's played significantly more. And he's played at a higher level. Yep. So, look, I know why people are high on Jackson Arnold. I get it. I know why people are high on Nico. But at least we've seen Connor do it. Yep. So what's he going to do under Colin Klein too? Yeah, that's interesting. All right, let's hit a break here. When we come back on Tex Ags Radio, we are going to do a little, oh, 
recruiting country. That's right. We had to change the schedule up. Ryan Broniger will be in studio. We will chit-chat with Brian Broniger. Typically, we'd be doing our interview there with, uh, with Pat Henry. For some reason, we didn't get Coach Henry. We'll try to get him rescheduled. That would have been brought to you, though, by Brazos Running Company, your local Aggie-owned specialty running store. Save 10% of the store when you mention the code TEXAGS10 and check out the location at Century Square. It's kind of new. Not that new anymore, but it's new. It is uh, Brazos Running Company. Texas Radio presented by David Gardner's Jewelers, Rollo Insurance Studio. Good song. What song is this? You don't have your headphones on. I, it, is it a country song? Yeah. Toby Keith. Sing and, it for me. Uh, Toby Keith. Uh, Willie Nelson. And Willie Nelson. I can't oh, think of the beer name. Beer from my horses. There yeah. you go. Beer from my horses. There you go. See, I didn't even have to hear it. I knew what it was. It was a good song. Uh, I, I, I don't know if I've heard of that one. It's old. It's from like probably, well, 2004 probably. Yeah. 2003. Willie's still kicking. Well, um, that song was jamming. By the way, it's recruiting country. I didn't have a, a you know way to segue out of that. Presented by Caprock Health System, a faster patient center uh, revolution in care with two ERs in the Bryan College Station area. You got the original 24-hour ER in South College Station on William D. Fitch and the full-service hospital with ER in Bryan on Briarcrest online at caprockhealthsystem.com. Brody, uh, I know this because I work with you. I see you. Um, you've been kind of busy. Yeah. And you know, there weeks. is, you, you know, you never want to, as a man, I think it's kind of like a, a macho thing that you never want to admit that you've got limitations. Yep. But I think I'm reaching my limitations with what my brain can comprehend and grasp from an organizational and stuff I've got to do standpoint. And it's just, it's not, has nothing to do with the workload. I mean, yep. Mike Elko has certainly kept us busy, very busy. Uh, and then also getting prepped for baseball, who we're, we're less than a month away, and the rankings come out yesterday. And so I'm starting to look ahead to content pieces for the lead into the season. And I've got a national podcast, college baseball podcast, that I'll be on a little bit later today. So all of that, uh, and then when you add on top of it, trying to put the finishing touches on planning a wedding. Um, Saturday? I know. I've just – it's just uh, – you reach, I think you reach your capacity for, hey, I've got to do this. Don't forget, you've got to do this. Right. And you have so many of those in there that inevitably, like I forgot to bring my clothes to dry cleaning, just get my, the shirt that I'm going to be wearing for the ceremony, get it pressed. I forgot to grab it this morning on my way out of the house. Well, buddy, uh, I'm excited for you. It's it's coming up, but let's get into the uh, the real news. I guess last night was it last? Hold night? on, my wedding is real news. What are you talking about? The, well, do you want to get into your wedding? Let's no, get into it. No, no, no. Where no, is just, it going to be again, bro? Listen, let's, let's no, give no, it we out ain't to the do, people. No, no, ain't doing that. I, <laughs> I, we are at our limit. You're of, at capacity. Capacity, yeah, for sure. Uh, no, but you know, recruiting it. There is there's news right with Des Ricks, uh, and man, when you look at we talked about it on the in-home visit yesterday, Jason and I did. As we got information that this was going to go down, we decided to preemptively record an in-home visit, as we do sometimes. And just talking about the bowl game and what a and ran out there in the defensive backfield sure. in the bowl game. And they knew that Mike Yoko knew that that had to be addressed. That would be one of his first priorities was A, roster retention, and be player acquisitions at positions of need. Mm-hmm. And you'd have to give him now an A-plus yeah. with what he did in the secondary. Eight total out of the portal, right? Five corner-ish players and three safety-ish players. Now, we say ish because 
these guys have some versatility. Sure. You're, and Mike Yoko does a lot of exotic things. You can remember when he was the defensive coordinator here, there were some, you know, more specifically in passing downs, long down and distance scenarios where they would go three defensive linemen, two linebackers, and six DBs. So there were those dime packages where you had six of them on the field at a time. Uh, and so within that, you need guys that do multiple things. And when you look at the background of a Trey Jones, who's already on campus at six foot two, 210 pounds, I saw him at move-in day, and I was like, that's a big dude. Like, very impressive physically on the hoof, Trey Jones. And you look at Dericky Wright, who's six foot four, 200-something pounds. Like, what is his role? It's, it surely won't be just purely safety. Right. Like, so there are guys like Jaden Hill. He's played a lot of nickel at Florida. B.J. Mays can play in the nickel. Des Ricks can probably play anywhere in the secondary. So there's a lot of versatility within this group. But the main thing is they had to attack it from a talent and a depth perspective. And, oh, by the way, I still think that Bravion Rodgers and Javon Thomas can be good players here. So the, what the room looks like today compared to what it looked like three weeks ago is almost a night and day difference. So Rick's played in just a handful of, of plays or games last right. year, right? Um, is he a kind of guy that can compete, you think, for a starting well, He's role? certainly talented enough. You don't earn five stars by every recruiting service across the country without being a supremely talented player. And I believe he was a top five player in the country had he not reclassified. He, right. If he'd have stayed in this 2024 class, then he would have been a top five player in the country. And when he reclassified – it dropped him a little bit, but it, it did not drop him out of five-star status. And so there's clearly a high level of skill there. Uh, and if you look at it as an addition to the 2024 recruiting class, uh, which is what essentially what it is, then you're going, man, now look at what Mike Elko was able to do with that late flurry of high school guys. And then you add a Desmond Ricks and then – you know, we'll let Billy come in here and talk about what's going on with Tyreek Chappelle, but it looks like things may be trending back for him to return to the program. Man, look where you're at at corner. Look where you're at in the secondary. You're going to probably trot out there for the first spring practice with more talent in your secondary room than you've had in the entire Jimbo era. Right. It's pretty incredible what he's done. And then you didn't drop off on the defensive line, even though you lost Walter Nolan, right? And you've lost some others. Like, you've brought in some guys there. Yeah, and you know what? I wouldn't hate it if they found somehow to, a way to get another interior guy in. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's a spot where you leave it open for that spring window if somebody's disgruntled elsewhere and wants to leave in that spring portal window. You don't ever want to have too many spots going into that uh, area of the calendar because there's just not a lot of guys like, impact players that I think are going to be in the portal at that time. Uh, but I it, I think they could use maybe one more interior player. But still, even if you don't get one, when you look at David Hicks and you look at Shamar Turner's versatility to play inside and out, uh, but you also look at Gabriel Brownlow-Dendy, yep. and you look at Albert Regis, uh, you know, and they brought in some guys. Kendall Jackson can play in there. They're, and I'm sure I'm, I'm leaving somebody out. Samu, like there's still some quality uh and depth in that defensive tackle room. I would just maybe like to see one more. Um, you know, that's why I thought Rodis Johnson was a good add because he essentially replaces Isaiah Rakes, yeah. and we know what kind of role um, Isaiah had been playing at A&M. But, yeah, when, when you look at the addition, especially Nick Scorton, right, and, and for all intents and purposes, Nick Scorton is gonna, should be a one-and-done player here. Like, in, 
he comes and plays and is productive as he was in the Big Ten if he replicates those numbers in the SEC, no question. He's getting his name called very early in the following draft, right? Uh, but it's you know, Cassius Howell. We've listed him as a linebacker, but it, he I, play I, edge? I think it's more of that Tyree Johnson role. Who Tyree Johnson was outstanding under Mike Elko in this defense and big, long, rangy pass rusher type, and, and they just didn't have a lot of that body style. When you, you know you pair him with like a Malik Silla yep. and Rylan Kennedy, uh, and then you really like kind of what that edge position looks like uh, for for the twenty twenty four season. So again, you can go back, and I believe they're at twenty one twenty. 2021 portal commitments yep. yeah 21 right um with the addition of ricks yesterday and you go and look how it's all broken down and you know we we hadn't even talked about trey watson and that was what i can't even remember like the, the, so many things are happening i know it's so so much but it's you'd have i mean what would you grade it the i would portal? grade it an a yeah an, an I, easy a an easy a and does you've Desmond, got starters you got depth does desmond you, ricks push you to an a plus if you wanted to have that discussion as of today, you, I want to see how things play out. But yeah, as of today, that's an A plus class. And here's the thing, man. Like not like you said, not all of these guys are going to come in and be immediate contributors. Uh, and you know, Trey Watson may not come in and catch 38 balls, 39 balls like he did last year at Fresno State. And some of these guys are going to come in and they're going to anticipate that they're going to play, and they're just they're not. Yep. So the spring is going to be vitally important for a lot of these guys that are going to come in and have to compete and win jobs. It's interesting. I look at that list, and there's a lot of starters in there, but there's the only, to me, guaranteed starter, because there's so much competition, is Nick Scorton, right? Like, there's a lot of other guys that are going to start. Like, I thought of Will Lee as being a for-sure starter, but there's a lot more depth now there. Sure, And, and there's a lot of guys that are going to play roles. Like, you'd think with the receiver room, I'd bet on Cyrus Allen and Jabri Barber playing a a bunch. Wouldn't you? Yeah. Uh, and that's why, you know, and yeah, they've added eight defensive backs. But if you sign Terry Bussey, that doesn't necessarily mean it's nine defensive backs because Terry Bussey is a two-way player. He can play anywhere. Right. And so could you add him to that receiver room? And Because that's what he's been playing in these All-Star games, and he led the, his team in receptions at the Under Armour All-American game. Pretty good competition level there. So And he's showing it now. He's at the Polynesian Bowl in Hawaii and doing the same type of things in those practices. So – there is uh you got to get him signed. Yep. And, and are, are you still feeling good on that one or? Yeah, we we talked about it in the in-home visit yesterday. Anytime and I wrote about it. I don't know if you read my article yesterday that went out on the site. The uh Elko the the Just, journey. Yes. Yep. And, and what January has turned into on the recruiting calendar now. Which I don't think you he didn't know. I mean, he knew, but you guys did this is a lot more intense than I think I had envisioned. And it's because of the roster turnover right, and the yes. head coach. Yes, but there's also the NCAA, and don't hold your breath that they're going to do anything with any kind of uh, tacticity. Is that a word? Like they're sure. going to be tactical on their, in their decision? Are they going to be forward-thinking their decision? Are they going to have a polished solution to a problem? Probably not. But if they would look at it, they would understand that there's a big gaping problem with the calendar right now, and most of it is late December through January. It needs to be fixed. Yep. It needs to be fixed, and uh, they're paid to do that. I'm not, but all I can tell you is that it's a mess right now. I mean, right, it's a mare's nest of issues that Mike Elko has had to navigate since he took the job. But uh, You were going on the Terry Bussey. Oh, yeah, Terry, but Terry Bussey, yeah, it was a – Whenever he schedule, a kid schedules a, an official visit, 
to Georgia. You know, that's a new school in his recruitment. Georgia hadn't been a huge player for him throughout the 2024 recruiting cycle, but that's still a large hurdle to clear. That's going to make you sweat, right? Yeah. Going, a trip to Athens is, is not nothing. It's certainly something. That being said, A&M will get the last official visit in that first weekend of February. We have not been given enough solid information up to this point that would make us believe that the Aggies still don't have a strong grip on the recruitment. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So like there's somebody's going to feel good. Somebody's going to have to undo what A&M's done. All right, let's uh, leave it there. We'll come back with more with Bronny. If you have a question for him, 979-693-1150, 979-693-1150. You're listening to Tech Radio presented by David Gardner's Jewelers. And we're back, Tech Radio presented by David Gardner's Jewelers, Rollo Insurance Studio. It is Recruiting Country brought to you by Caprock Health System. He's Ryan Bronner. I'm David Nuno. We go to the Angry Elephant News and Social Center. Eric, I am sure we got a good question or two. Oh, yeah. Keith and College Station, this one's for you, Bronny. It says, all things being factored in, including depth, would you trade Walter Nolan for Des Ricks? Uh, I mean, that's I a tough know. question. How, I, how do you quantify that? It's a completely different position. Uh, maybe a better question would be Scorton for, even though they're different positions as well. But at least it's D line. Man, like Walter's obviously a super talented player. Uh, the addition of Ricks is big, regard whether you kept Walter or not. You know, yeah. like I, I don't know. I don't. I guess I don't understand the question well enough to answer it. But I'm. It's probably my fault and our fault because we're too stupid. All right, but how about this? Last year's defense was pretty good, right? Is there more talent on this year's defense, potentially? I I would think talent-wise, you could at least call it a push. Now, depth-wise... More depth now. I think so. And you're better on the back end. Replacing Edron Cooper ain't going to be easy. Somebody's going to have to play next to Torrey and York. Is that Alex Howard? Is that Scooby Williams? Is that Damian Sanford? Martrell Harris taking the next step, you know, like somebody's going to have to emerge to replace an All-American, which is not going to be tough. I mean, which is going to be tough. But are there? There's still a couple linebackers available, right? Uh, I don't think that they're bringing in any linebackers. Okay, uh, and, and that would be maybe a position that they look at after spring in that portal window if sure. they're not satisfied with what they've got, uh, and they look for another a depth piece there. Again, that if they were able to get another one in. To start the semester, <clears throat> I would I think that would be advantageous. But you're running up against the clock because the last day to add drop is the 22nd, which is next Monday. Right. Junior Day visitors, uh, the momentum there, how it all unfolded, and how are you feeling about those guys? Well, yeah, I think where Mike Elko and this coaching and recruiting staff can really make their mark and put their stamp uh, on themselves as recruiters is with that 2025 class because that's their first full cycle, right? I've loved what they've done in terms of offers, both in-state and out-of-state. I love that they brought in a small but select group mm-hmm. on this first weekend, and they will bring in uh, – from what we understand, I don't know that they're going to have a massive junior day where it's going to be 70 kids, which that gets tough to manage. you know. And this first weekend, they brought in priority targets – that are lay down, like we're going to recruit you wire to wire, whether you're committed here or not. Right. They also brought in guys that have offers, but they're still heavily evaluating. And as a new staff, one of the first things that you go and do when you look at a class coming in, you go, all right, who's got offers from the previous staff? Okay, let's go watch those guys and kind of evaluate what we think of them. 
So they brought in some of those guys, and and maybe they just want to get eyes on him. Okay, we see him on film. He looks like this on film. Let's get our eyes on him. And so they are able to make evaluations on personality and just you know physical traits that they can't quantify on just by watching tape. And then they get to know him a little bit, and then they say, okay, like we're going to keep like this kid. We like him. Let's right. go see him work out now in the spring. So it wasn't. There was just a good mix of heavy evals and lay down, hands down guys we want. And when you're talking about Landon Rink, defensive lineman at Cy Fair, DJ Sanders, defensive tackle at Belleville, Kiati Armstrong, the tight end at Jasper. These are guys, Michael Fasusi. I mean, it was in Kalik uh, Lockett. Those are two DFW players that are were massive, massive visitors for AM because the previous staff, to be quite frank, dropped the ball there in a big, big way. And those are two of the top players, not only in the state of Texas, but in the country at their positions. And Texas A&M went from off the radar. Like Jason said, that Texas A&M probably wouldn't have been in Michael Fasusi's top 10. Right. Now they Michael Fasusi told him that they're in his top five after one junior day visit. That's how much they moved the needle with the number one offensive tackle prospect in the state and the five-star nationally kind of player out of Louisville. Kalik Lockett's a kid who's grandmother was a professor at AM and a math tutor for athletics the previous staff never offered never communicated with that kid well tyler says he doesn't know the text number 979-693-1150 billy lucci is coming up next Bronny, thank you very much show oh, sir oh yeah I'm uh, short yeah well yeah. somebody's got to come on cut my airtime some more huh hey he was he he got his travel got cut last week you know mm-hmm. or yesterday i should say yeah, he, he's yeah, just getting yeah. the town we got to catch likely up likely story Thank you, Bronny. And congratulations again, buddy. I'll tell you next week, too. Well, you won't be here next week. Never mind. All right, we'll come back. Billy Lucci will join us here on Tech Radio. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.